Chapter 12, verses 27 through 32 of Catina Aurea, Commentary on the Four Gospels, Collected Out of the Works of the Fathers, by St. Thomas Aquinas. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Verses 27 and 28. And if I, by Beelzebub, cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. Chrysostom. After the first answer, he comes to a second more plain than the first, saying, And if I by Beelzebub cast out demons, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges. Jerome. He alludes, as in his manner, under the name children of the Jews, either to the exorcists of that race, or to the apostles who are by race of that nation, if he means the exorcists who, by the invocation of God, cast out demons, he thus constrains the Pharisees by a wise inquiry to confess that their work was of the Holy Spirit. If, he would say, the casting out of the demons by your children is imputed to God and not to demons, why should the same work wrought by me not have the same cause? Therefore shall they be your judges, not by authority, but by comparison. They ascribe the casting out of the demons to God, you to the prince of the demons. But if it is of the apostles also that this is said, and so we should rather take it, then they shall be their judges, for they shall sit on the twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Hilary, and they are worthily appointed judges over them, to whom Christ is found to have given that power over the demons, which it was denied that he had. Rabanus, or because the apostles well knew within their own conscience that they had learnt no evil art from him. Chrysostom, yet he said not my disciples or apostles, but your children, that if they choose to return again to their own privileges, they might take occasion thence. But if they should be ungrateful, they might not have even an impudent excuse. And the apostles cast out demons by virtue of power which they had from him, and yet the Pharisees made no such charge against them, for it was not the actions themselves but the person of Christ to whom they were opposed. Desiring then to show that the things were said against him were only jealous suspicions, he brings forward the apostles, and also he leads them to a knowledge of himself, showing how they stood in the way of their own good and resisted their own salvation, whereas they ought to be joyful because he had come to bestow great goods upon them. If I, by the Spirit of God, cast out demons, then the kingdom of God is come upon you, as much as to say, if this indeed be so, then is the Son of God come upon you. But this he hints darkly, that it may not seem hard to them, also to draw their attention he said not merely, The kingdom hath come, but upon you. That is to say, these good things are coming for you. Why do you oppose your own salvation? For this is the very sign given by the prophets of the presence of the Son of God, that such works as these should be wrought by divine power. Jerome, for the kingdom of God denotes himself, of whom it is written in another place, The kingdom of God is among you and there standeth one in the midst of you whom ye know not. Or surely that kingdom which both John and the Lord himself had preached above, 
repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. There is also a third kingdom of the holy scripture, which shall be taken from the Jews, and be given to a nation that brings forth the fruit thereof. Hilary, if then the disciples work by Christ, and Christ by the Spirit of God, already is the kingdom of God transferred to the apostles through the office of the mediator. Loss. For the weakening of the kingdom of the devil is the increase of the kingdom of God. Augustine. Whence the sense might be this. If I by Beelzebub cast out demons, then according to your own opinion, the kingdom of God is come upon you. For the kingdom of the devil, being thus divided against itself, cannot stand. Thus calling that the kingdom of God, in which the wicked are condemned and are separated from the faithful, who are now doing penitence for their sins. Verse 29. Or else how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house? Chrysostom. Having concluded the second answer, he brings forward yet a third, saying, Or how can any enter into a strong man's house? For that Satan cannot cast out Satan is clear from what has been said, and that no other can cast him out till he have first overcome him is plain to all. Thus the same as before is established yet more abundantly. For he says, So far am I from having the devil for my ally, that I rather am at war with him and bind him, and in that I cast out after this sort, I therein spoil his goods. Thus he proves the very contrary of that they strove to establish. They would show that he did not cast out demons of his own power. He proves that not only demons, yea, but the prince also of the demons, he hath bound, as is shown by that which he hath wrought. For if their prince were not overcome, how are the demons who are his subjects thus spoiled? This speech seems also to me to be a prophecy, insomuch as he not only casts out demons, but will take away all error out of the world, and dissolve the craft of the devil. And he says not rob, but spoil, showing that he will do it with power. Jerome, his house is this world, which is set in evil, not by the majesty of the Creator, but by the greatness of the sinner. The strong man is bound and chained in Tartarus, bruised by the Lord's foot. Yet ought we not, therefore, to be careless, for here the conqueror himself pronounces our adversary to be strong. Chrysostom. He calls him strong, showing therein his old reign, which arose out of our sloth. Augustine. For he held us that we should not by our own strength be able to free ourselves from him, but by the grace of God. By his goods he means all unbelievers. He has bound the strong man, in that he has taken away from him all power of hindering the faithful from following Christ and gaining the kingdom of heaven. Rabanus. Therefore he has spoiled his house, in that them whom he foresaw should be his own. He set free from the snares of the devil and has joined to the church. Or in that he has divided the whole world among his apostles and their successors to be converted. By this plain parable, therefore, he shows that he does not join in a deceitful working with the demons as they falsely accused him. But by the might of his divinity he frees men from the demons. Verse 30. He that is not with me is against me, 
and he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. Chrysostom. After that third reply, here follows a fourth, he that is not with me is against me. Hilary, wherein he shows how far he is from having borrowed any power from the devil, teaching us how great the power to think amiss of him, not to be with whom is the same as to be against him. Jerome, but let none think that this is said of heretics and schismatics, though we may apply it besides to such, but it is shown by the context to refer to the devil, and that the works of the Savior cannot be compared with the works of Beelzebub. He seeks to hold men's souls in captivity, the Lord to set them free. He preaches idols, the Lord the knowledge of the true God. He draws men to sin, the Lord calls them back to virtues. How then can these have agreement together, whose works are so opposite? Chrysostom, therefore, whoso gathereth not with me, nor is with me, may not be compared together with me, that with me he should cast out demons, but rather seeks to scatter what is mine. But tell me, if you were to have fought together with someone, and he should not be willing to come to your aid, is he not therefore against you? The Lord also himself said in another place, He that is not against you is for me. To which that which is here said is not contrary, for he is speaking of the devil who was our adversary, there of some man who was on their side, of whom it is said, We saw one casting out demons in thy name. Here he seems to allude to the Jews, classing them with the devil, for they were against him, and scattered what he would gather. But it is fair to allow that he spoke this of himself, for he was against the devil, and scattered abroad the things of the devil. Verses 31 and 32. Wherefore I say unto you, All manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world nor in the world to come. Chrysostom, the Lord had refuted the Pharisees by explaining his own actions, and now he proceeds to terrify them, for this is no small part of correction to threaten punishment, as well as to set right false accusation. Hilary, he condemns by a most righteous sentence this opinion of the Pharisees, and of such that thought with them, promising pardon for all sins, but refusing it to blasphemy against the Spirit. Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men. Rigmigius, but it should be known that they are not forgiven to all men universally, but to such only as have performed due penitence for their guiltiness. So by these words is overthrown the error of novation, who said that the faithful could not rise by penitence after a fall, nor merit pardon of their sins, especially they who in persecution denied. Augustine, for what difference does it make to the purpose, whether it be said, the spirit of blasphemy shall not be forgiven, or whoso shall blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him. As Luke speaks, except that the same sense is expressed more clearly in the one place than the other, the one evangelist not overthrowing, but explaining the other. The spirit of blasphemy, it is said shortly, not expressing what spirit, to make which clear it is added, 
and whoso shall speak a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. After having said the same of all manner of blasphemy, he would, in a more particular way, speak of that blasphemy which is against the Son of Man, and which in the Gospel according to John he shows to be very heavy, where he says concerning the Holy Ghost, He shall convince the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment, of sin because they believe not on me. That then which here follows, he who shall speak a word against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world nor in that which is to come, is not said because the Holy Spirit is in the Trinity greater than the Son, which no heretic ever affirmed. Hilary, and what is so beyond all pardon as to deny that in Christ which is of God, and to take away the substance of the Father's Spirit which is in him, seeing that he performs every work in the Spirit of God, and in him God is reconciling the world unto himself. Jerome, or the passage may be thus understood, Whoso speaks a word against the Son of Man, as stumbling at my flesh, and thinking of me as no more than man, such opinion and blasphemy, though it is not free from the sin of heresy, yet finds pardon because of the little worth of the body. But whoso, plainly perceiving the works of God, and being unable to deny the power of God, speaks falsely against them prompted by jealousy, and calls Christ, who is the word of God, and the works of the Holy Ghost, Beelzebub, to him it shall not be forgiven, neither in this world nor in the world to come. Augustine, but if this were said in such manner, then every other kind of blasphemy is omitted, and that only which is spoken against the Son of Man, as when he is pronounced to be mere man, is to be forgiven. That then, that is said, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, without doubt blasphemy spoken against the Father is included in its largeness, though here again that alone is declared irremissible, which is spoken against the Holy Ghost. What then? Hath the Father also taken upon him the form of a servant? That the Holy Spirit is thus, as it were, spoken of as greater. For who could not be convicted of having spoken a word against the Holy Spirit before he became a Christian or a Catholic? First, the pagans themselves, when they say that Christ wrought miracles by magic arts, are they not like those who said that he cast out demons by the prince of demons? Likewise, the Jews and all such heretics as confess the Holy Spirit, but deny that he is in the body of Christ, which is the church Catholic, are like the Pharisees, who denied that the Holy Spirit was in Christ. Some heretics even contend that the Holy Spirit himself is either a creature, as the Arians, Eumonians, and Macedonians, or deny him at least as such sort that they may deny the Trinity in the Godhead. Others assert that the Father alone is God, and the same is sometimes spoken of as the Son, sometimes as the Holy Spirit, as the Sabellians. The Photians also say that the Father only is God, and that the Son is nothing more than a man, and deny altogether that there is any third person, the Holy Spirit. It is clear, then, that the Holy Spirit is blasphemed, both by pagans, Jews, and heretics. Are all such, then, to be left out and looked upon as having no hope? For if the word they have spoken against the Holy Spirit is not forgiven them, 
then in vain is the promise made to them that in baptism or in the church they should receive the forgiveness of their sins for it is not said it shall not be forgiven him in baptism but neither in this world nor in the world to come and so they alone are to be supposed clear of the guilt of this most heavy sin who have been catholics from their infancy some again think that they only sin against the holy ghost who having been washed in the laver of regeneration in the church do afterwards as though ungrateful for such a gift of the saviour plunge themselves into some deadly sin such as adultery murder or quitting the christian name or the catholic church but whence this meeting can be proved i know not since place for penitence of sins however great was never denied in the church and even heretics are exhorted to embrace it by the apostle if god peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth lastly the lord says not if any catholic believer but whoso shall speak a word that is whosoever it shall not be forgiven him neither in this world nor in the world to come id otherwise the apostle john says there is a sin unto death i do not say that he should pray for it this sin of the brother unto death i judge to be when any one having come to the knowledge of god through the grace of our lord jesus christ opposes himself against the brotherhood or is roused by the fury of jealousy against that grace by which he was reconciled to god the stain of this sin is so great that it may not submit to the humility of prayer even when the sinful conscience is driven to acknowledge and proclaim its own sin which state of mind because of the greatness of their sin we must suppose some may be brought to and this perhaps may be to sin against the holy ghost that is through malice and jealousy to assail brotherly charity after having received the grace of the holy spirit and this sin the lord declares shall be forgiven neither in this world nor in that to come whence it may be inquired whether the jews sinned this sin against the holy ghost when they said that the lord cast out demons by beelzebub the prince of the demons are we to suppose this spoken of our lord himself because he said it in another place if they have called the master of the house beelzebub how much more they of his household seeing they thus spoke out of their jealousy ungrateful for so great present benefits are they though not christians to be supposed by the very greatness of that jealousy to have sinned the sin against the holy spirit this cannot be gathered from the lord's words yet he may seem to have warned them that they should come to grace and that after that grace received they should not sin as they now sinned for now their evil word had been spoken against the son of man but it might be forgiven them if they should be converted and believe on him but if after they had received the holy spirit they should be jealous against the brotherhood and should fight against that grace which they had received it should not be forgiven them neither in this world nor in the world to come for if he had there condemned them in such short that no hope remained for them he would not have added an admonition either make the tree good etc id but i do not affirm this for certainty by saying that i think thus yet thus much might have been added if he should close this life in this impious hardness of heart 
yet since we may not utterly despair of any however evil so long as he is in this life so neither is it unreasonable to pray for him of whom we do not despair id yet is this inquiry very mysterious let us then seek the light of exposition from the lord i say unto you beloved that in all holy scripture there is not perhaps so great or so difficult a question as this first then i request you to note that the lord said not every blasphemy against the spirit shall not be forgiven nor whoso shall speak any word against but whoso shall speak the word wherefore it is not necessary to think that every blasphemy and every word spoken against the holy spirit shall be without pardon it is only necessary that there be some word which if spoken against the holy spirit shall be without pardon for such is the manner of scripture that when anything is so declared in it as that it is not declared whether it be said of the whole or of a part it is not necessary that because it can apply to the whole it therefore is not to be understood of the part as when the lord said to the jews if i had not come and spoken unto them they had not had sin this does not mean that the jews would not have been altogether without sin but that there was a sin which they would not have had if christ had not come what then is this manner of speaking against the holy ghost comes now to be explained now in the father is represented to us the author of all things in the son birth in the holy spirit community of the father and son what then is common to the father and the son though that they would have us have communion among ourselves and with them the love of god is shed abroad in our hearts by the holy ghost which he hath given us and because by our sins we are alienated from the possession of true goods charity shall cover the multitude of sins and for that christ forgives sins through the holy spirit hence may be understood how when he said to his disciples receive ye the holy spirit he subjoined straight whosoever sins ye forgive they shall be forgiven them the first benefit therefore of them that believe is forgiveness of sins in the holy spirit against this gift of free grace the impenitent heart speaks impenitence itself therefore is the blasphemy against the spirit which shall not be forgiven neither in this world nor in that to come for indeed he speaks the evil word against the holy spirit either in his thought or with his tongue who by his hard and impenitent heart treasures up for himself wrath against the day of wrath such impenitence truly has no forgiveness neither in this world nor in the world to come for penitence obtains forgiveness in this world which shall hold it in the world to come but that impenitence as long as any lives in the flesh may not be judged for we must despair of none so long as the patience of god leads to repentance for what if those whom you discover in any manner of sin and condemn as most desperate should before they close this life betake themselves to penitence and find true life in the world to come but this kind of blasphemy though it be long and comprised in many words yet the scripture is wont to speak of many words as one word it was more than a single word which the lord spoke with the prophet and yet we read the word which came unto this or that prophet here perhaps some may inquire whether the holy spirit only forgives sins 
or the Father and the Son likewise? We answer, The Father and the Son likewise. For the Son himself saith of the Father, Your Father shall forgive you your sins. And he saith of himself, The Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Why then is that impenitence, which is never forgiven, spoken of as blasphemy against the Holy Spirit only? Forasmuch as he who falls under this sin of impenitence seems to resist the gift of the Holy Spirit, because in that gift is conveyed remission of sin. But sins, because they are not remitted out of the church, must be remitted in that spirit by which the church is gathered into one. Thus this remission of sins, which is given by the whole trinity, is said to be the proper office of the Holy Spirit alone. For it is he, the spirit of adoption, in which we cry, Abba, Father, so that to him we must pray, Forgive our sins, and hereby we know, speaks John, that Christ abideth in us, and by the Holy Spirit which he hath given unto us. For to him belongs that bond to which we are made one body, of the only begotten Son of God. For the Holy Spirit himself is in a manner the bond of the Father and the Son. Whosoever then shall be found guilty of impenitence against the Holy Spirit, in whom the church is gathered together in unity, and one bond of communion, it is never remitted to him. Chrysostom. Otherwise, according to the first exposition, the Jews were indeed ignorant of Christ, but of the Holy Ghost they had had a sufficient communication, for the prophets spake by him. What he here saith then is this, Be it that ye have stumbled at me because of the flesh, which is around me, but can ye in the same manner say of the Holy Spirit, We know him not? Wherefore, this blasphemy cannot be forgiven you, and ye shall be punished both here and hereafter. For since to cast out demons and to heal diseases are of the Holy Spirit, you do not speak evil against me only, but also against him. And so your condemnation is inevitable both here and hereafter. For there are who are punished in this life only, as they who among the Corinthians were unworthy partakers of the mysteries others who are punished only in the life to come, as the rich man in hell. But those are spoken of are to be punished both in this world and in the world to come, as were the Jews who suffered horrible things in the taking of Jerusalem, and shall there undergo most heavy punishment. Gloss. This passage destroys the heresy of Origen, who asserted that after many ages all sinners shall obtain pardon. For it is here said, This shall not be forgiven, either in this world or in the world to come. Gregory. Hence we may gather that there are some sins that are remitted in this world, and some in the world to come. For what is denied of one sin must be supposed to be admitted of others. And this may be believed in the case of trifling faults, such as much idle discourse, immoderate laughter, or the sin of carefulness in our worldly affairs which indeed can hardly be managed without sin, even by one who knows how he ought to avoid sin, or sins through ignorance, if they be lesser sins, which burden us even after death, if they have not been remitted to us while yet in this life. But it should be known that none will there obtain any purgation, even of the least sin, but he who by good actions has merited the same in this life. End of chapter 12, verses 27 through 32.